Welcome to the Randy Selzer Real Estate Podcast, where we discuss important topics for buyers, sellers, and investors in the Toronto area real estate market. Here's your host, Randy Selzer. Hello, everybody. It's Randy Selzer here. Welcome back to my YouTube channel. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. William Tingle is joining us today from the United States. He is the host of Sub2Deals.com, Sub2University.com, and he has a podcast called Sub2Deals as well. He's a nationally known real estate investor, an investing coach, an author, and a public speaker. Welcome, William. Nice to have you on board today. Thanks, Randy. I'm, I'm honored to be here. Looking forward to talking with you today. Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure, sir. Uh, I know a little bit about you. I've been researching you, and I know for a, a number of years now, you've operated a real estate business where you've done a lot of wholesaling and you've rehabbed numerous properties each year. But I found out that you discovered a niche, I call it a niche, uh, in what you call sub two, which is buying subject to existing financing. And that's a very interesting concept that we're going to go into greater detail on today. Uh, so... To date, I know a little bit about you again. You've taken uh, the deed on over 600 properties. Wow, that's a lot. And you still continue to buy 10 to 15 properties uh, per year in this manner in select markets throughout the United States. I know you've also have trained and coached countless students all over the country to become financially successful real estate investors. So with that point, sir, I'm in Canada. You're in the United States, but we have a lot of stuff in, uh, in, in common here. And I know there, I'm going to let you explain what sub two is for the benefit of our listeners, uh, William. So what exactly does sub two mean? Well, subject two, Randy, is just really taking advantage of financing that's already on the property. Now, most investors and, and people, just home, home buyers, they go out, they find a house they like, they, and then they have to deal with the bank and sweat bullets, hoping their loan goes through. They have to qualify. They have to submit a thousand pieces of paper, verification of employment, proof of income, all of those things. And then the closing costs, my gosh, the closing costs. We we talked to a seller recently and looking at his closing statement when he bought his house, he paid $15,000 in closing fees. Uh, but buying subject to skips all of that stuff. It just you fast forward. A seller calls you. They have a house they need to sell. And you take over the loan that's already in place. You agree with your seller on an equity uh, position if they have one. I talked to a lady this morning, as a matter of fact. She called me. She said, hey, we bought our house last year. Our family situation has changed. We've already closed on a new house uh, out of this town. And we really need to sell this one, but we don't have any equity. And I said, well, ma'am, you don't have any equity. I can buy your house, but the only way I can do it is by taking over payments on the financing. Would that work for you? So that's an example of how it works. Uh, you still own the house, just like you do if you qualify with a bank or pay cash. You just take over the payments on the financing and then rent it, live in it, sell it with seller financing, do whatever you want to do. It's a very interesting concept. Um, and for the benefit of our listeners, many of whom are in Canada, uh, I just want to mention that what William is talking about today which is assuming existing mortgages from the seller. 
Uh, that exists in Canada. The Canadian banking system does allow it. Uh, my understanding, and if there's any bankers or mortgage brokers listening to this, you're feel welcome to correct me if I'm wrong. But up here in Canada, I believe you can do it with a fixed rate mortgage, not with a variable and not with a HELOC, you know, not with a home equity line of credit. Right. But for fixed rate mortgages, I believe they are assumable with most banks. So it's now not just not just in the U.S. And then I'm I'm yeah. going to say one more thing. I'm going to going to hand it over. Yeah, uh, a fine. lot of a lot of Canadians, and I'm sure some of you listening today, um, love to buy real estate in the United States um, due to the climate, due to the you know just a lot of people love places like Florida or Arizona or many other places in the South, places like Arkansas where the weather's great, prices are good, and um, I know that Canadians, maybe this is something that they should take a look at, which may help them to buy property in the U.S. I know, Randy, you and I talked before we, we got live here, and you said you must have the bank's approval in, in Canada. Canada. Yes. Now, see, things are a little bit different here, and uh, and I'm not sure what the laws are in Canada here most loans aren't assumable uh, since the late 80s when the interest rates went to 18 percent uh right. they enacted something called a due on sale clause which means if title or an interest in that property is transferred without the bank's approval they can call a loan due and payable they can do it uh i've been doing this for 25 years i've never had one call due it's very rare for it to happen but we don't actually even notify the bank of what's happening. We just get a deed from our seller and then start making the payments. And interestingly enough, the bank takes our check every month. Uh, so they don't really uh, care. I'm sure they uh, would. Yeah. yeah. They do. Now, I can also see that this, um, this strategy may not be for everyone. There, there's a certain type of seller and a certain type of buyer that could benefit from this. Um, from a seller's point of view, can you explain a little bit about who specifically this would be a great idea for from a well, seller's primarily, point of view? Yeah, primarily it's, it's going to be somebody that has a higher level of motivation, uh, someone in foreclosure, someone getting a divorce, someone such as the lady I talked about this morning. They already have a second mortgage payment on a house. They don't have any equity. They need to sell this property. Uh, it's it, pro usually it's going to be somebody with a higher level of motivation. Now, not always. Uh, the lady I spoke with this morning, she has a second mortgage payment, but she's not behind on her payments. She's able to make her payments. It's more of a nuisance for her. Now, whether or not that seller would be a candidate will depend on a couple of things. One, what kind of rapport I can establish with her, how confident she feels in me doing this. Uh, and just how I present it, really. And fortunately, I've been doing this for a really long time. I'm able to present it in a way that's simple for them to understand. And they also have a lot of confidence in me because we've got our company website. We've got tons of video testimonials from former sellers that, that gave us the deed to the property. So all of those things play into uh, who will actually do it. Okay. Now, for someone, um, I was watching one of your YouTube videos and you gave an example of someone who was retiring. They were selling their house. They were they had already bought an RV. They're planning on, that's it. They're out, they're cashing out and they're going to go traveling. Uh, that I could see would be a perfect demographic for this because uh, they, they don't need to buy something else, right? They're, they're retiring. They're going, to, they're going on the road. Uh, I would right. assume if somebody... It needs to buy another property, whether they're up, they're upsizing or downsizing. It could create problems, right? Could it not? 
It can, uh, for example, and, and there's a lot of misconception out there. For example, VA financing. Uh, most uh, veterans are worried about continuing to use their benefit to buy their next home. What a lot of veterans don't know is you can have multiple VA loans uh, and the the limits are so high in the U.S. now. I believe it's it's eight about around eight hundred thousand dollars as far as a certificate limit. Wow. So if they're selling me a house worth three hundred, they've still got half a million dollars of, of borrowing power, if you will, to go out and get a secondary loan. What gets most people is the DTI, the debt to income ratio. If right. this one loan that they sell to me is 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 going to continue to show on their credit report, they have to have sufficient income to uh, to get that secondary financing. But an important thing to remember is even if they sell to me subject to the lender for their new loan will still give them the same credit toward their DTI about seventy five percent that they would get if they rented the house out. So depending on their credit, depending on their income, those things matter, but it can be an issue for some people. Okay, excellent. I know one of the things that I ran into years ago uh, was that there is a the one other risk that maybe we should mention is that if a, a seller uh, sends over the, the mortgage to the buyer and the buyer defaults, uh, the seller is could still be held accountable by the bank. Is that not true? That is absolutely certain. Uh, and and that's a question you'll get from time to time from from potential sellers. What happens if you don't make the payments? And I am painfully honest with them. Listen, Mr. Seller, if I don't make your payments, uh, your credit's toast. It's going to be just as bad as if you fail to make them. And not paying a mortgage is one of the worst things that you can have on your credit report. So there, there's got to be an element of trust there. And you got to know yep. what you're doing if you do this. Absolutely. And I'll just mention also, I believe the credit reports, we have Equifax up here. I think it's the same company for all of North yep. America. So it's one big database. Now, yep. from a buyer's point of view, I think there's some opportunities here. Can you go into a little bit about what might be uh, some of the benefits of looking into this sort of scenario? You bet. Uh, number one, even if you have great credit uh, and you're an investor, for most of us, there are going to be limits to the number of loans you can get with bank financing. 10, 15, 20, depending on how strong your credit is. And then you're done. No, no other bank is going to touch you. Uh, just because you're exposed. I think that's the term exposure. We have too much exposure with you. You owe us too much money. Right. Uh, so if you want to build an extensive portfolio for for uh, short-term rentals or just regular rental properties, or my favorite, which is wrapping a note and selling it with seller financing, they're going to cut you off. If your average cash flow on a property is, let's say, $500 a month, and you can only buy 20 properties, that's only $10,000 a month. That won't create the kind of lifestyle I want to have. Mm -hmm. So I want to be able to buy more. With subject two, there are no limits. If, if I want to go out this year and buy 100 properties, I can do it because nobody's going to approve my financing. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. That's the number one benefit. Number two, very few closing costs. You know, we if we close at a title company, it costs us less than a thousand bucks to close. It's a very simple process and a, a huge benefit right now, uh, Randy. And I know you know this interest rates here in the United States 
uh, up until the last year have been at historic lows, two and a half, three percent interest. Uh, I can take over payments on two and a half or three percent mortgage, and my cash flow goes up by several hundred dollars a month over what my cash flow would be if I got bank financing today at seven and a half or eight percent. So, I mean, that's that's incredible. So true. So true. Yeah. Uh, and we've got the same thing up here where we had historically low rates for a long time. The right. Canadian and now, and we've had like 10 interest rate increases over the last year and a half. And and right. we're up to about six, six and a half now, a little bit less than you guys. But it's definitely, right. absolutely, somebody who's holding a 2% mortgage today, that's an asset. That's a that's something valuable. Um, having said that, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a, a thing here on on, on Canadian uh, mortgage financing. We, our system is a, a little different than the U.S. Um, my understanding is in the United States, when you when you take out a 30-year mortgage loan and it's at 6%, it's going to stay at 6% for the next 30 years. Is that right? Uh, with It depends on the type of loan, but primarily, yes, I would guess right. that 75% right. in the U.S. are 30-year fixed rate. Okay. Yes. Up here in Canada, it's different. We have a 30-year amortization, so the loan is right. paid out over 30 years. But in Canada, you have to renew your interest rate typically every five years. So it's subject to change. So right. Oh, so man. you for the I know, and you get the first five years might be at two percent, and now you go. Now it's time your mortgage is coming up for renewal. You don't have to requalify, but basically the bank adjusts that rate. If rates are going down, they adjust the rate down. But if the rates are going up, they adjust the rate up. So right now in Canada, it's like it's typically every five years, but you could also get it for shorter periods. So the term, the term of that interest rate is renewable. I think it's the British system, believe it or not. I heard somewhere that that's a system that came over from England. You guys have much more, much more sense. You're locked in. You know exactly what your payments are going to be for the next 30 years. Up right. here... What has happened right now is a lot of people who had a 2% mortgage for the past five years now are having to renew at six or six and a half. And man, they're in trouble. There's a whole lot of stuff going on up here right now yeah. because their their payments are double or triple. It's ridiculous. That sounds like a recipe for a lot of foreclosures to me. <laughs> it uh, could be. That, right? Yeah. I know some mortgage brokers right now. I was talking to one the other day. She was practically in tears because all her clients over the past five years are in some hot water because it's time right. to renew. And again, it's a lot of, now having said that the banks are doing some stuff side, sort of behind the scenes. They don't want a bunch of foreclosures. They right. don't. So they're trying to help people. They're make, doing some little things to kind of help them through uh, temporarily, but it's a situation up here. It really is. Yeah. So um, anyways, but I totally understand your point about somebody with an existing low rate mortgage, uh, having, being able to add that an assumable mortgage, uh, so that right. the buyer, that's an asset that you can add for the next several years or in the United States for the next 25 years, you can have this low rate mortgage, which is a huge benefit, I think. I think. Oh, you bet. I mean, of course it is. I mean, we can count on a fully amortized loan at a fixed interest rate until the end, uh, wow. until the payoff. So, yeah. So if I, I, I can take over. That. 10 of those this year at two and a half or 3%. And I can see my exit normally is to wrap that note at current market rates. So I'm buying at 3% and I'm selling uh, at an increased price at 8%. I mean, man, that's, that's magical. I got, I got you. 
So, okay, from a buyer's perspective, let's say we're, we'll make a, a hypothetical uh, older Canadian couple. Maybe they're in their 50s or 60s. They want to buy a property in the southern U.S. somewhere. How do they go about finding uh, a seller that has an assumable loan that would be interested in doing this? How do they go about doing that? Well, just a general person. I mean, we market two ways right now, primarily. One is radio. We run radio ads. Hi, I'm William Tingle. I buy houses. Give me a call if you need to sell. And then second, we target people in foreclosure. We actually go out, knock on the door. We try to help them first if they want to keep their house. Most people do. We tell them about all the programs available and we'll get on the phone with the lender if we need to, to help them. Uh, but if they don't want to keep the house or the ones that are already vacant because they've moved out, we track them down and say, hey, we want to buy your house. And we try to work out a way to do that. We reinstate the mortgage, take over the payments. And those are the two ways that we do it. Okay, excellent. Uh, are, are consumers able to contact you directly? Is that Are they able to do that? If they're sure. looking for, yeah. if they're, and, and do you just work the Arkansas market or if somebody came to you and said, look, I want to buy a townhouse in Fort Myers, Florida, could you help them with yeah. that? Or could you refer them to someone who could help I, them? I could probably refer them. We used to buy all over the Midwest, uh, mm -hmm. but last year we started buying where we live and where we live only. It, it, it's a lot easier when you can sit down with people face to face. So, uh, true, you know, all during so COVID, true. people got used to Zoom and everything, but it's still better when you're sitting at the kitchen table. But I've got students all over the country. I can probably put somebody in touch with somebody in a market that they're looking for. Okay, excellent. I think this is a, a strategy that has been overlooked for like it's been around for a long time, but uh, certainly up here, I guarantee you, ninety nine out of a hundred consumers have never heard of it. But it does right. exist. It does exist. It does. And uh, I, yeah, I can especially in today's market where we're so much higher interest than we had two years ago. It's shocking. Mm -hmm. It really is. And I don't know where we're headed, man. I think they've got to do something because. Uh, both the Fed in the U.S. and the Bank of Canada up here. It's the same thing. Sure, you want to you want to get inflation down. You want to kill inflation, but you don't want to kill the economy, although you guys That's are right. on a tear right now. But uh, no, and it's... I'll say, the, these real estate agents, I had somebody tell me this morning, well, the agents say the rates are going to go down by next spring. And I'm saying, listen, if they, if they can predict the future like that, I need to talk to them. That's information <laughs> I can use. The you crystal know. ball, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, but that's that's great information, man. And uh, I did a lot of research uh, watching several of your videos and went on your website. There's a lot of information there. And I'm going to put uh, links to all that below the video today and also on the podcast so people can reach out to you. So that's a great. Uh, what other words of wisdom do you have for us, sir? For uh, You're like me. You've been in the business more than 25 years. Me, too. So we have a little in common here. What uh, what other words of wisdom would you like to share with our listeners today? about real estate. I'll tell you this. It doesn't matter what the market cycle, it, it doesn't matter what's what everybody says is going on, whether real estate's great or real estate's risky, go buy some houses, make smart decisions, make deals that work and start buying houses. That's that's the best advice I can give anybody right now. It's excellent. Excellent advice, sir. Yep. Thank you, William. It's been a great talk today. And there you go. Two different countries from far away and yet we've got a lot in common and uh you're right Every, everybody needs to buy houses my biggest regret in my career is that i didn't buy more because i was not at the level that you were at like you you bought a lot of properties big time 
And uh, it takes it takes some courage, but uh, the payoff is there. It definitely is. Well, it's like anything else when you're just getting started. You know, you're you're scared you're going to make a mistake. But trust me, you're going to make some mistakes. But right. you know, math doesn't lie. And if the math works for that property, you're going to be okay. Chances I, are, you know. I totally agree. Listen, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and you're welcome to come back on the podcast anytime. Same, same here. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Randy. I appreciate okay. you having me. Okay, William. Have a great day. We'll talk again soon. Good. Bye. All right. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Randy Selzer Real Estate Podcast. Follow us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And check out our main website at randyselzer.com for much more valuable info on the Canadian real estate scene.